Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Believe in Navy Football podcast. I'm Bill Wagner with Capital Gazette Newspapers and the Baltimore Sun, longtime Navy beat writer, joined by my co-hosts, former Navy greats and NFL standouts, Keenan Reynolds and Eric Catani. Fellows, we're breaking down a victory. Finally, hallelujah, victory Sunday after beating Temple at the link, uh, an empty link, Lincoln Financial Field, I may tell you, there was no one there. Uh, they announced a crowd of 12,000, which was a fabrication. That was uh, maybe paid tickets, but there was actually more like four or 5,000 people in that stadium. So there was no atmosphere whatsoever. And that may have explained Navy's slow start. The first half was not a classic college football exhibition, let me tell you. But Navy picked it up, played much better in the second half offensively, and pulled away to a 38-14 to victory. Defense was solid throughout. Um, offense got it going. Uh, there was some hiccups in the first half, a uh, tie with a bad pitch that led directly to a touchdown. He, 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 he tried a pitch he shouldn't have tried. There was a defender between him and the pitch man, and the ball got batted down, recovered at the one-yard line, basically handed Temple a touchdown which was a shame because Temple couldn't drive the field. I mean, the only way they were going to score a touchdown was getting a short field off the turnover. And then a later situation, uh, after Temple had fumbled a punt, Navy recovered at the seven-yard line. You're thinking, that's easy. Seven yards, you're in for a touchdown. And uh, Xavier Arline came in at quarterback and put the ball on the ground on two straight plays. A bad pitch, a bad – then he fumbled on a keeper – they brought Ty in for third down, and he threw the ball in the dirt. So it was like three worst plays I've ever seen, and they had to settle for a field goal. So, Eric, why don't you give us your analysis of what you saw in Navy Temple? And I guess a win is a win is a win, right? A win is a win is a win. That's right, Bill. And, uh, you know, even I was watching uh, Coach Niemann's press conference post game, and he kind of said the same thing. You know, Navy started off slow. You know, they, they want to start fast. And get the scores going, get the, get the get the momentum going. Especially, you know, I don't know for me, like playing at the link in Philadelphia, it's always for me, it was always kind of a home game feel. Cause you know, going there, you know, never lose an army and just kind of, you know, knowing where the locker room is, knowing where everything is in the in the in the place really helps out. The game was uh, you know, it's a win. And I, I was, you know, after the game, I was really wishing that we won that ECU game because that's two games, huge momentum going into the biggest game of the year, Army Navy which, you know, we're going to talk about that with, uh, you know, Ricky Dobbs is coming on, which I'm really excited about that. Ricky and I play together. And, Ken, I think you learned everything from Ricky Dobbs, right? I learned how to miss Reese from Ricky Dobbs. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh let's save this for Ricky. the – can't call Ricky out. He's not even let, on yet. Come on, Let's Kenan. save that for when Ricky gets on so he can answer for himself. Yeah, I definitely got some jokes from my man. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, to that segment. <laughs> Well, Keenan, yeah, while we got you, what what, you what did it, you see on Saturday against Temple? I mean, it was kind of uneven play in the first half, man. Yeah, so I actually didn't get to keep catch it live. I had to go back and watch. Uh, obviously, it was tracking on my phone, but then I had to go back and, like, break it down on my own. I don't think we have, like, the luxury of being, like, super picky about, you know, oh, we started slow or, you know, we wasted possession in the red zone. I mean, at this point in the season, you know, we just – Getting a team win like this was the most important piece. I saw the the, the pitch from Ty, and ironically, um, that exact same thing happened to me against Temple 
Um, and then it led to a touchdown. It was like the first possession um, that we had. Pitch got knocked down. And the week before playing Temple, we played Ohio State, and they knocked the pitch down and took it back like 80 yards for a touchdown. So, like, happened to me back-to-back week. And I was looking at that play. I, I, like, ran it back like four or five times. And I thought, like, you know, maybe maybe he's going flat and the, the, the A-back is getting downhill, and sometimes that can distort the pitch relationship. I think he may have been ultimately – it's hard to sell from the angle on TV – I'm not sure if we had like an all 22 or like an end zone angle, we'd be able to see even more. But I really think it came from uh, just waiting too late. I mean, he had the guy all leveraged um, and the guy just made a great play. But I think other than that, you know, we could definitely pick our spots where we are pretty critical. But I was really, really proud of how the defense played, holding that team under, holding Temple under 200 yards, um, really only giving up seven points. I, I don't really count the one yard drive. You know what I'm saying? Um, that, that's, a, that's a tough one. But only giving up real like seven real points. I mean, hey, uh, I think this is all you could really ask for going into the Army week. You got some confidence. You got a pretty good team win. Um, played well, relatively well in all phases. So, you know, what I mean, this is what you need to prove to yourself, hey, we can do this. We can play this way. We can play well. And then when you get into the, to the barn burner that will be Army, um, you have a little bit of momentum going into the game. So, Eric, here's an interesting thing. Navy against Temple used its ninth different offensive line combination of the season. So Coach Nehemiah was mentioning in 2019, the great season, when Malcolm ran crazy, they started the same five guys along the offensive line all season. And uh, it was Ford Higgins, David Forney. um, I'd have to go back and list, but it was a really good offensive line. Um, Billy Honaker was on that offensive line. But either way, nine different combinations have started because of injuries. What do you think of that? And how does that affect your overall offense, Eric? A, a ton. And that isn't Red Romo's grand- grandson. Yep. Grandson, yep. Jamie right? Romo, who's a St. Mary's High graduate. Yeah. His father, Rusty Romo, owns Harry's Brown's restaurant. Yeah. Yep. Jamie yeah. made his, he started two games and played pretty well at left tackle. Absolutely. I, the first when I saw you guys it was the first game he started, and everybody's talking about, you know, how how awesome he was as a as a, as a person. Uh, you know, the, the Romo Training Center, you know, it's still named after and everything else. But you know, Doc Fair that worked there afterwards. But with changing the offensive line, that is it's so tough. You know, it's it's especially as a fullback. You know, you're you're relying upon especially that that guard and tackle combination. You're relying so heavily on them making that timing for you, right? And the fullback is—he's playing great now. He's hitting it tight. He's—he's he's hitting it solid. He's playing really. Well. He's coming into his own. I think. I think he's finally getting comfortable. Yeah, to, Isaac Ruos. I agree with you, Eric. He's playing well. He had two Ruos. touchdowns in the Temple. He did, and there's a couple of things. He's—he's—I he's, was watching a couple of times. He's not. He, it might be the offensive line because he's not staying as tight as he should on the on the, that tackle combo. And that safety is actually catching him when he's when usually if you stay really tight and you're staying low and you're kind of behind that that tackle shoulder, that safety or that that, that middle linebacker if they're running real hard over the top to get that pitch relation with the quarterback and a back, if you stay super tight, you could actually get those those huge really long runs because they're not seeing you. They're just getting past them. So, but he's starting his own. I'm really excited to see what he does in the Army Navy game. And I'm excited to see him compete against the Army fullback. Because, you know, when I always play those games, you know, we had a guy named Colin Mooney play. He was a phenomenal player. He played for the Tennessee Titans for a while. Um, I always and I, I always try to compete against him. I'm like, I want to be better than you. I want to get more yards than you. I don't care how many carries I get. 
I want to be the MVP of the game. That was always my mindset. Well, and no doubt because in Air Force and Army games, the if the whichever team establishes a fullback and has fullbacks wins. getting big yards is usually wins. Yeah, I, I, and I knew that going into the game. <clears throat> Coaches made sure they made a point saying it. Hey, if you have a good game, we're going to win. Yep. So hey, yep. guess what? Army Navy game is the biggest game of the year. It's the last game of the entire college collegiate football season, which is amazing. They're doing that now. To, you know, focus on this, and especially with the 20th year of the 9/11. You know, this is going to be a very big game in New York City. And I hope the, the team shows up and I hope they, they show up for the seniors, you know, for having this, you know, super, super hard schedule, number one hardest schedule in the nation to show up, you know, have this winning season or have this winning winning game against Army. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it, it transitions in the next season. So, Keenan, before we talk about our sponsor and do our alumni spotlight with Ricky Dobbs, one thing that I was a little concerned about is uh, Navy threw the ball around a little bit against Temple and guys were open, wide open. And Ty missed guys. Uh, he was throwing behind, throwing over. I mentioned that he tried to throw to the end zone and threw it into the ground. Um, I think against Army, we all know how hard it is to move the ball against your arch rival. They know the option. And I like some of these shorter passing concepts. They've got a little down and out play they run. they got a little over the middle. It's just some shorter stuff, not all play action deep, although he missed two of those as well. Both Michael Cooper was wide open. Oh, my God, it would have been a touchdown. But, but your thoughts, I mean, and Coach Nehemiah said in his presser today, we got to hit those. When when we throw the ball, we got to connect. Like a lot of times they called the pass on first down. You miss that throw and it's, it's second and ten. Yeah, I always tweet out often. Uh, well, I know I've tweeted out before about, you know, as a play caller, do you want to call the, the pass on first and ten when you're not very prolific in the, in the passing game and put yourself in a second and long and if your fullback dive only gets two yards, three yards, now it's third and eight, third and seven, and now you're kind of in the pickle and it, you stall a drive because you decided to throw the ball on first down. I think for Ty, I think it's a confidence thing because we've, we've talked about him missing some open receivers and making some some errant throws uh, before, and I think there's a, it's a few factors in play. you got confidence because when you get back there and you're not thinking and you're just flinging it around, that's usually when you do the best. When you try to think about, you know, I got to get my steps and I got to get my depth and I got to make sure I make a good throw. Normally, you're going to try to place the ball and it's not going to be a good throw. So I think you just got to free. He's got to play clearer, play freer in the passing game. Just really just trust your eyes. You see it. You make the throw. You can you do it a thousand times in practice. You throw the open guys all the time. So when you see somebody, you make the throw. Now, I admit, being a quarterback. The hardest throw in football is the wide open receiver because you don't want to mess it up. You just want to get it to him so he can make a play. So you just gotta he's gotta let it go. But I think something else you mentioned is also maybe at play sneaky. Nine different combinations of, of offensive alignment is a lot. And when you're on a, when you're running the option, a lot of it is timing, feel, and just guys just knowing where to go, where to be. I like, you know, if you got the same Trust offensive man. alignment. Yeah, I mean, Eric can attest to this at fullback. He knows how, you know, how the center is going to block, how the guard's going to be there, like where my holes may be with my guys, like what are their strengths, yeah. what are their weaknesses. So now when you when you introduce a new guys into the rotation, guys just think they haven't had time to gel. When you're in the passing game, if, if Ty doesn't trust that he's going to have time to read it, he's going to rush everything, which is going to lead to Aaron's throws. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. I, I don't know if I can necessarily – I mean, yes, Ty has to make throws. If he's there, you got to give him the ball. Ultimately, that's going to win us the game against Army. It's going to be hard to run the ball. It's going to be hard to pound the fullback up the middle. It's not going to be something that you're not going to be able to go 20 plays 
80 yards every single drive and not be able to throw the ball. You have to connect with the play action shots. You got to protect it. You got to throw it. You got to catch it. So it's going to be big. And I, I would, I would hope that that they spend some extra time, especially during this bye week um, in the passing game, trying to get time in now, trying to simulate what's going to happen. Because if we can hit on those big time play action plays, I remember my senior year, that was a huge emphasis going into the Air Force game because they played us so tough in, in, in the year before, and it was hard to run the ball. We really didn't have any answers in the passing game. So we spent the entire offseason and a lot of time in practice working on that package, and it paid off huge, and we were able to get a big, big win against them because we were connecting on the play action. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a pivotal point in the game. Who can who can exceed uh, one another in the, in the passing game come December 11th? Well, before we go to our alumni spotlight with Ricky Dobbs, who has joined us, let me talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever before. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Clarence Ricky Dobbs, my man, I've always loved him from the minute I met him. Uh, is our subject of our alumni spotlight brought to you by New Day USA. New Day USA helping veterans, uh, both current and retired, with home loans and other needs. Uh, Ricky, uh, you weren't even on the air when Keenan started taking shots at you because I, I asked Keenan, I said, I know you were a astute watcher of film, went back and looked at old Navy quarterbacks. What did you learn from Ricky Dobbs? And he said, I learned how to miss reads from Ricky Dobbs. Is that fair? Come on, Ricky, fight these, defend yourself, baby. <laughs> Ricky, before you start, man, I learned how to block when you were a quarterback, man. I never blocked before. I always got the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, that mean you, you learn how to take hits then, too. I took a lot of hits because of you, man. He always pulled it. <laughs> Uh, so Ricky, I'm going to let these guys take over. But real quick, before we go into getting Eric and Keenan pick on you a little bit, kind of take us back to your Navy career, your memories. I mean, you played in some big games, a lot of success. I mean, I'll never forget you quarterbacking Navy to that victory over Missouri in the Texas Bowl. I mean, that was a great win. Um, oh, just kind of talk about your career and some of your memories, Rick. Okay. Uh, well, first off, I want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on here, Bill. And uh, it's definitely a pleasure. Now, I've uh, been listening to y'all and seeing y'all. Y'all uh, do y'all thing on here. And uh, so it's an honor to be here. And to uh, Keenan, appreciate it. Uh, what's up, my boy? Congratulations on a lot. Uh, fatherhood, marriage, everything. I, you know, catching up, I watch it through everybody. AK, keep me informed. And then to Nordine. My boy, I just seen him last week. Uh, nobody who know who Nordine is, that's Eric Catani. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my middle name. Tell us what that means, please. That's my, that's his, my middle name. That's his middle name. Yeah, it's a, it's a family name. It's Algerian. It, it's funny. Uh, so you call me Nordine. 
the only person I like calls me Notre Dame is my girlfriend. So she's like, "How do you know that?" It was pretty- and then also Dave, Dave Mahoney does as well. So, <laughs> yep. So that that's one of the things uh, too, and part of the reason I want to call it out. Um, well, I called you out when they, when you was playing this because a lot of thing a lot. I mean, one thing a lot of people don't know about you is the Algerian side. Okay, but Bill, to answer your question, uh, my career at Navy, man, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I, I love to talk about it and go back to those days. I had a great time uh, playing those, some of my fondest memories, um, you know, some of which have uh, become distant and I have to be reminded of uh, because of, you know, the head injuries and head trauma. I forgot a lot of it until I'm reminded of it. Um but it was definitely one of the, uh, you know, one of the most like highlighted things in my life thus far. Um, having the opportunity to play with some of the greats that was, you know, older than me, Zerbin Singleton, Reggie Campbell, uh, Eric Tani, Tyree Barnes, and then to be able to still connect with them over these years and have that special bond to kind of reflect on is, is definitely one of those things that I look, uh, look up to. And then now uh, Keenan should actually be thanking me he should be thanking me for setting the precedent Let's and, hear this. and grooming uh, Coach Neomont to, to be able to take the risk because, and this is no shot to Coach Neomont, to any of the quarterbacks when I was there, but Coach Neomont, was, uh, his first year was uh, Eric's senior year. Uh, well, I'll take that back. No, your sophomore year, right? No, no he, he was there the whole time. He's head coach my senior year. I'm t- yeah, head, head coach your senior year. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, and that was my sophomore year. Sophomore. Yeah. So that that first year head coaching, uh, this is one of the things I you know I like to talk about it uh, now you know, that I'm older because <clears throat> back then I would never say how I felt then when I was a player, but now that I'm not a player no more. You know, I can say what I want to, <clears throat> but. <laughs> I go, uh, and then, uh, you know, I'm a true testament because, and a lot of it is because of the misreads that he might have been scared to take take the shot on me. But if you can remember, Bill, after, uh, well, really my freshman year, Coach uh, Paul Johnson told me, learn as much as I can because next year I'm going to have a shot to take over the team. I do remember that. Sophomore year, we go into camp. All uh, fall camp, I'm number two. Kaipo's number one. Kaipo gets hurt. Number two typically goes to number one. But they pulled Jared back from A-back. We moved him yep. to A-back, brought him back to come in and play quarterback. Jared Bryan. Part of that, you know, in hindsight, at the time, you know, I really wasn't worried about it because I'm, I was always a team player. But now having like a coach's mindset and, uh, uh, you know, a post player, uh, I look back at it and I was like, dang, you know, that the it was two supposed to go to one. They brought uh Jared over, and I believe some of that went into account with Coach Neamont was like, you know, this is my first year, and he was kind of uh, you know a little scared to, to put it all on uh young Ricky Dobbs. But for me, I would always be like, you know, especially like looking back. I was like, he should, you know, he could have put it all on me back then. I was ready to carry the torch. And <clears throat> the reason why I say Keenan should thank me because the same similar situation happened to him his freshman year. 
when there was, I think there was a quarterback. Now, Keenan was uh, a lot better than the other quarter they had behind Trey, I believe. Trey but Miller, was, right. But someone, when Trey got hurt, that they probably could have put in that was more experienced than Keenan being a freshman. But he was like, you know what? I'm not going to make the same mistake that I did with Ricky because if I would have been the starter my sophomore year, uh, some of those games that we lost probably would have went a little bit differently. Because uh, then I was I would have also had the opportunity to mature uh, a lot earlier than uh, I did uh, going into my junior year. I would agree with that. Eric, what do you remember of Ricky Dobbs playing football? And did you realize, I mean, he did have two great seasons. His junior and senior seasons were pretty darn good. And he threw threw the ball well, ran the ball well. He's, I always joke that, Ricky, you were like another fullback, man. You ran between the tackles hard and tough. Uh you didn't do a lot of the outside stuff, although you could take it on the perimeter once in a while. Ricky ran hard. And the best part is when I, when I was in the, the fleet, everybody was asking me, like, did you play Ricky Dobbs? I'm not sure what's, like, the, the name Ricky Dobbs. It just – you got so much credit for everything. Like, like, it was like Ricky Dobbs. just came off the tongue so nice. Everybody's like, you play with him? I'm like, I'm like yeah, I play with him. He's a sophomore and stuff. Like, he's the man. I'm like, yeah, he's the man. I play, I play football, too. <laughs> No, but Rick, Ricky, um, the first time you stepped up big was uh, actually versus SMU. Um, I remember because I had 11 yards, and I think you had like 42 carries for like 280 yards because you didn't give me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like getting – after that game, I was so sore. I was like, I have never been hit from the side so much. But, you know, it's a learning experience, and, and you know, everything that you've done in your career is amazing, and the publicity you got and everything else you got. We were talking about it actually a couple weeks ago. You know, when are you going to run for president or, or something in your, in, your, in your city, right, first, and then move your way up? So you want to talk about that for people, what you, what you want your next your next steps to be in uh, your career? Oh, yeah. Um, so just kind of catch you up right now. Um, I'm in my last few days uh, or months here in the Navy on active duty, um, getting ready to transition over to the reserves. Um, start terminal leave December 29th, and then March 1st is the day that I transition over to uh, the ready reserve. I thought I had the plan mapped out of what I wanted to do, which I'll tell you that plan. But, uh, so I planned on when I graduate, I mean, when I got out, transition to go down to Georgia. Uh, I started a nonprofit back in 2016 for uh, young boys. Uh, it was kind of, I wanted to do something for young boys anyway, but I was really inspired uh, by working with the Naval Academy Admissions Office when I worked there. Uh, we went up to a uh, camp up in Hubbardston, Massachusetts, the Ron Burton Training Village. And what Ron Burton did for young boys in his town up there is what I envisioned and wanted to do with. And first I said it, it should be ran like that. They should have that kind of program in every major city uh, in America. Um, so I asked them and sat down with uh, some of their leaders and uh, Ron Burton Jr. also uh, if I could help and get like the framework to model my uh, foundation after theirs. And uh, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I envision that I really want to be able to take off. But starting out, though, uh, just get in the community uh, where I'm from and just get in touch with some of those kids who actually needs a lot of mentorship. Uh, and that leadership. And that's what uh, my foundation is founded off of, uh, mentorship and leadership through academics and athletics, uh, targeting underprivileged young boys from 8 to 18, 
just to kind of step in and be that big brother or father role that a lot of those kids don't have uh, to make sure that they're better prepared to lead um, other, like, you know, just lead out in the world uh, coming up. Start at mayor. Once I do that with my foundation, kind of get in the community, get well known around the West Atlanta area, um, kind of make some noise and where people uh, get to know me for what I'm being able to do for the kids. And then I'm around for mayor of my hometown. Uh, my timeline that I had before was based off if I stayed in the military and retired um, at 20 years. So to put me at 2030 and I said I was going to run then. But now, uh, seeing I'm getting out transitioning to the reserves earlier, I might uh, move that timeline up uh, about three to five years. And maybe uh, 2025, I'll run for mayor of my hometown. And then from there, the state of Georgia. Uh, run for governor or do, take some congressional seat and then to stay on schedule 2040 i'm gonna run for president um if i'm if i'm ready or not i don't it don't even matter i'm gonna run uh if i'm still you know in a congressional <laughs> seat or even if i'm still mayor of douglasville i'm gonna put my name in the ballot um to run hopefully i still have a lot of those supporters i know uh it's still a couple people that still waiting on me to uh to actually cash in on put my name in the uh, hat for presidency. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to do my part and make sure I'm prepared and uh, be able to make this thing happen. Because, you know, I got to come through on a couple of my dreams. I had to give up on a couple of them due to circumstances as far as playing in the NFL. It was definitely one of the dreams. But uh, this this presidency thing uh, is, is not a lot that's going to be able to get in the way of that. Um, outside influenced uh wise so i'm gonna make sure that i'll be able to do my part and show these kids that you know when you have dreams you can aspire to do it and it's just like you know say you shoot for the stars and if you miss a couple of them you'll still be in the sky somewhere so i uh, wanted to play in the nfl and do all that stuff but <clears throat> had to move past that go another route but i'm still gonna land up somewhere where my highest dreams were so keenan listening to ricky reminds me of the difference between you and and Ricky. Ricky loved to talk. He was great. <laughs> Keenan was always very reserved. Keenan was like somebody coached Keenan on talking to the media. So, <laughs> Keenan, kind of jump in here and tell us your thoughts about Ricky Dobbs. And I know you did watch some Ricky Dobbs film, but no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. You've got to yeah. know Ricky, right? I, I definitely got to tease Rick, man. Um, I never forget I was on my recruiting visit and uh, Coach of Work was like, have you talked to Ricky yet? And I was like, no, nah. he was like, hold on. And they called him. And then within five minutes, I'm on the phone with Ricky Dobbs. But I, Ricky was like, he, he laid the foundation for, I think, modern era Navy football, just what he was able to do on a national stage, beat Notre Dame. We had already, you know, we beat him in 07 the first year, but like to continuously keep beating these dudes and keep showing Impressive. out. Impressive. Um, really bringing Navy to the to the stage i'll never forget that like the only time i really watched navy was before i got there was ohio state navy uh when ricky was a quarterback and i seen him doing this thing and they almost won like came down to like the two two point conversion i think it was super close but like i was like dang like who is this dude like making all these plays so like when when, when navy came calling like the, the thing that i had in my head to associate was ricky dobbs and ohio state so like no matter what you know what I'm saying? He definitely, like, for me, in, in my timeline, put that foundation and, ha like, he, he really handed the torch. And so forever grateful for, you know, 
what he's done and him being a mentor. Um, but it was just funny when I got to when I got to Navy and I get in the meetings with like with Coach Jasper and, and Travis Keating, and they were like, and we were talking about Ricky, and I just never forget. Uh, Travis was like, yeah, he's like Ricky. Ricky stayed missing Reese, and then Coach Jazz was like, "Yeah, he was a damn knucklehead." <laughs> that was his favorite word. That was his favorite word to <laughs> call Ricky knucklehead. Uh, but uh, he, he, yeah, yeah I, I, thought, I saw Coach Jasper a couple weeks ago. He said the same thing. He goes, "How's a knucklehead doing?" I'm like, <laughs> for sure. But but like I said, man, definitely can't. I think you you can't say Nate football and not bring up Ricky Dobbs. And like I said, he he started the train. I was able to kind of keep it thing, keep that thing moving. You know, Malcolm came in, did his thing, keeping it moving. So, like, now it's just who's going to be the next on that list of people to kind of carry the torch and keep that the legacy up. You know what I'm saying? You can just kind of point through the different – the great players that come through, like Ricky said, Tyrese, Reggie Campbell, Zerbs, Eric. I mean, the list is long. So, now it's just who's going to continue to, to, to submit their names in the Navy football lore going forward. So, that's what I'm excited about. But really great to hear, Ricky. Um, funny thing, Rick, I'm actually about a half hour from your hometown. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm living down in, in Marietta now. So yeah, uh, I heard. So I spent I actually spent a lot of time in Douglasville because I bowl on the side. So I go down and bowl at the little bowl at the bowling center down there. So I spent a, I spent a ton of time in your city, man. So it's really cool uh, <laughs> to hear to hear you moving back and running for mayor. Uh, I'm definitely going. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a have to get a, get into that, 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 that election cycle and vote for you, man, for real. Oh yeah, definitely. Hey, and look, Bill, it was one of the, one of the first memories. Cause, uh, of course, I think what it was a one, one year, full one year gap, uh, between, uh, when you were a freshman. Yeah. And yeah, it was a year. I, I came yeah. in, I think you 2010 was your senior year season. Yeah. And right. I was 20 and I came in 2012. But, Ricky, what was it like for you to watch Keenan? I mean, Keenan came in, and like you said, he started as a freshman and played a lot of games over four years. What was it like for you to watch Keenan kind of take the quarterback position at Navy to another level? Was that pretty cool for you? Oh, yeah, that was definitely pretty cool. Uh, I love watching Keenan, and uh, even like when I was watching him play and all that, I would always, with well, anybody who come, and Keenan can attest to this, anybody who comes to play quarterback, or any quarterback that's played in a triple option setting, whenever the triple option is on, when it, whether it was when Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech or neighbors playing anybody, we can look at the reads and all of that. Now, I'm going to tell you, I became like an expert at making all the right reads after I stopped playing in Navy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it was afterwards because then I was able to step back and look at it, and I'm like, huh, okay. <clears throat> but Keenan, I would always look at the different styles of quarterbacks um, from whether it was the guys at Georgia Tech or uh, at Navy that came after. And, you know, kind of kind of try to put myself in their position to figure out what they were thinking in that the moment of making those reads. Um, I mean, very it, most of it is instinctful. A lot of it is instinctful, but also it's a it's a little bit of like, you know, where you learn in the film and just watching the way people's body language is. Uh, and that's one of the things that I can look at that Keenan, he he definitely I could tell you could tell by looking at him and the reads and the way that he will call and change plays. 
that he was in the film studying the, like body languages and want to look at what people were doing with their feet. So where me, that was the difference between us because me, I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time in, in the uh, film room, uh, partly because Kenan didn't have to worry too much about his grades. I did. <laughs> um, no, Rick, so that, you're too busy making handshakes like Coach Neamon said. <laughs> right. Honestly, I think the, the thing I had was just the benefit of more reps, like of just like more live reps. And, you know, I think we've talked about this on the podcast. Like you really you could do all the, the team periods and like, but there's no substitute for having some like people trying to take your head off and you having to make right. that read under under duress and like make the right read when it's like crunch time. So like the more you do that, the more comfortable you get, the slow, the, 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 the slower it seems. And then you get little little nuance, little steps, little, you know, just little things that you can't really teach or coach that a lot like like we're talking about. Like I just I know I can pull this, even though it's not really a textbook pull read like. That's not something that you could teach a freshman day one on campus. Like, they got to get a lot of reps. They got to get game experience. They got to get the flow of the game. Like, it's so many different things that go into that. So, I think the instinct thing, that's huge, man. I definitely did watch the film, but I think for me it was just I just had more reps, and, and that's and that's what's – and then we also – I think our offense kind of evolved. It um, definitely – From, like, when you played, it was less – like, we ran triple, but it just – it was just different. Like, it wasn't, like – clean traditional Paul Johnson triple and it's continued to evolve every year after. Yeah, because I, I look back and I'll be like, man, I wish we were doing some of this stuff because like you had an opportunity to go in the shotgun sometimes. And I was like, yeah. man, I, I prayed that we could yeah. just like go in the shotgun sometimes and spread it out a little bit. But yeah, one of the things I wanted to say earlier, Bill, uh, when you asked about Kenan, um, so one of the first first couple of members, I think it was it was his freshman year, or maybe it was in between. Um, I don't know if I was in Bahrain. I think I was in Bahrain for my first uh, first tour out there on the ship. And uh, Keenan reached out to me as like a big bro. And this was one of the one things I was like, I was like, man, yeah. I was like, I love this kid already because he shows the willingness to be able to make a difference. And it was basically because certain people, because Keenan was quiet and a lot different than me, because Keenan was the next one that they would call where, you know, fan favorite and everybody want to know him and talk to him. But Keenan wasn't at that point where he was really talking to folks. So people would think that he may be like is standoffish or whatnot. He was like, what did you, he asked me, you remember you asked me that? Yeah. What do, how did I get people to uh, look at me differently? Because that's not like, you no, know, that's not how I am, even on the yard or whatever. And I was like, look, just give them whenever you do. Whenever you're talking to somebody, just give them the whether it's 10 seconds, give them the time of day right there and, and pay attention to them, whatever. And it won't take a lot of energy, but it'll seem like you're very outgoing, but you're you might not be not, and then you will never forsake who you are. Cause me, even me myself, uh, a lot of people be uh shocked to know that, you know, I'm 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 an extrovert, but I'm an introverted extrovert. Cause sometimes I would just like, you know. Rather not give a whole lot of time and talk a lot because it is it can be draining. But for that, I just still suck it up, suck it up, and just give them the time. And then I would talk on them and make everything about them. And that was one of the things that I said I would, you know, uh, told Kenan if I, you know the advice that I give you is to just to take that on and boom. And I don't know because I don't know if we ever talked about it again. But if it progressed, 
and uh, the image, if he opened up a little bit more, you know, we had many a talks, but that was one of the yeah. things that. Rick, can you take the Myers Briggs personality test? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ricky, before we let you go, I got to have you. You watched Eric Catani, and he was an outstanding fullback. And my first memory of Eric Catani was Navy played Toledo at Ford Field in downtown Detroit. And Adam Ballard and Catani were kind of split in time, but Ballard was a starter. Ballard was injured and couldn't play. So Eric started and rushed for over 100 yards, and I'll never forget doing the interview. And, you know, I'm like, Eric, you know, how does it feel to you, – you filled in for Adam Ballard and you rushed for 100 yards. You're, you know, you, and he's like uh, – one of his comments was, I'm a lot faster than Adam Ballard. And I'm just like, I like this guy's confidence. I uh, like this guy's confidence. What, said, what do you uh, remember about Eric Katani? Uh, I, I, said, I, said, I said I have better hips or something like that. He, he never let me let that down. Either at Coach Jones. Uh, I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. It was definitely the hips, I think, too. Yeah, Adam, if Adam, you're listening, sorry, buddy. You're an amazing guy. He <laughs> ran hard. Adam ran real hard. Yeah, Adam he, definitely ran hard. When you watched okay. Eric, did you know he's going to be an NFL running back? So, Katani, Eric Katani is – I think he was the transition um, at fullback to show, you know, have a little bit of finesse uh, when he was running because Kyle Eckle, Adam Ballard were hard-nosed runners. <clears throat> now, Eric was a hard runner, but Eric would be able to be a little bit more shifty, and then he could make that thing look pretty when he take off for like 80 yards rather than, when Adam and uh, Kyle and them, Matt Hall and all of them, when they were running, you know, it was like a stiff look, and they was they was getting it, and nobody was catching them. But when Eric would run, he just had a little bit more finesse and smoothness with it. Um, and I appreciate he showed, that. You know, got the hands and everything. Uh, so he he showed the first. He was one of the first ones that I felt like that transitioned over and showed that this fullback position could transition over to a running back in the NFL versus just being a straight fullback in the NFL. Man, right. you, guys are too, you guys are too nice. And that led to guys like Chris Swain, who Keenan Reynolds played with. All right, we're going to let you go, Rick. You are the best. We love you. Thanks for being the subject of the Alumni Spotlight presented by New Day USA. Good luck to you as you transition out of the Navy into civilian life. We'll follow you with your foundation, and we'll all move to – Douglasville, Georgia, and vote for you in the mayor's election. Appreciate it. Love y'all, man. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to another great addition to the Believe in Navy football podcast. Thanks to Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds for their incredible insight, as always, their analysis. And we really appreciate having Ricky Dobbs as our alumni spotlight. Really, really fun going down memory lane with, with Ricky. Uh, we'll be talking to you next week for Army Navy Week. We're going to have several good pods. We're going to talk to Roger Stahlback for one. And we're going to do obviously do a very thorough breakdown of the Army-Navy game in advance. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot. If you're a fan of the Believe in Navy football podcast, be sure to check out Sing Second Sports wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Several times a week, special guest Bill Wagner, along with host John Schofield and Ward Carroll, help you stay up to date with the latest in Naval Academy sports news as they dive into the physical mission of the Naval Academy and look at varsity sports, club sports, and intramurals at the Naval Academy. So be sure to check out Sing Second Sports.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.